0: Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recording. This is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Never say never, but... Never. I plan on leading this team with an unwavering standard. Everybody love everybody. We will call it the golden standard. And this is the standard that will drive this football program to its 12th national championship. With Sean Styers. I like that guy. Uh, what you could do is, is you could have a barbecue on that head. It's a good time, you know what I mean? On Sports Radio, 960 AM, WSBT. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. And now your host, Sean well hello there how we doing today hope you're having a good one the uh, the dust is settled a little bit anyway from what's maybe the most impactful and eventful overall day in notre dame basketball history when you factor in both the men's and women's teams everything that happened yesterday Uh, The day started with the news that, well, maybe Maya Donson wasn't going to be back because she'd filed paperwork for the WNBA draft, but she could still return to Notre Dame potentially for a sixth year because she's waiting for a decision from the NCAA on a sixth year of eligibility. But, I mean, that that was nothing compared to what came next. It was just the opening act on a day of really what was a steady onslaught of social media announcements coming out of the Rolf's practice facility (laughs) and other places yesterday because Mike Bray goes on a Chicago radio show and he says that his star freshman Blake Wesley is entering the NBA draft process. But he would reserve the right to pull his name out of the draft by June 1st and could still return to Notre Dame next year. But then, a few hours later, an ESPN.com story comes out and it quotes Wesley saying he has no plans to return to Notre Dame and then Wesley's mom retweets the story and then within a little bit of time Blake Wesley himself finally makes his draft announcement official by tweeting out his own statement I believe he had to kind of pull one back and then make a correction and and issued another one but nonetheless makes his own statement and makes it official thanks his family thanks his teammates his coaches and all that finishes the with I would like to announce that I'll be entering my name in the 2022 NBA draft and so now most important thing that happens or does not happen is whether or not he hires an agent if he doesn't hire an agent he could still come back whether or not he's saying that he's going to or not if he hires one he can't come back. But, you know, it's one thing to say he's entering the draft because they all do that. But he still has to be evaluated. Will the first-round projection that everyone's talking about right now, will that hold up? Because most of the mocks, and that's still what they are, these are not official. These are these are what third-party people, you know, like the Mel Kuypers of the draft process and those kind of guys, Mel Kuyper and Below, But, you know, NBA side, not, I'm not saying that Mel Kuyper evaluates the the NBA draft. I'm just saying Mel Kuyper is the guy that we all associate with, you know, the Mox and Kuyper and McShay and all that kind of thing. But will that projection that everyone's talking about for the first round for Wesley, will that hold up right now? That's the biggest thing. Will he actually use the draft workout process as a gauge for where he is? Because it's one thing to you know, think you're ready. It's one thing for some people to think you're ready, but the right people have to think you're ready. They actually have to, you know, evaluate you, and that's what they do. They go to these, you know, to the to the different showcases and stuff like that, you know, because so many people sitting around going, he's not ready. He needs another year of school. You know, of course, many of those same people are the very ones who took any chance they could to whip her. Or a rip Wesley for you know any mistakes he made. See, he's not ready and that kind of stuff. But all the critiques are you know just a mask for the love-hate relationships that fans have with players anyway. I hate you, but I love you, and I still want you here. You know, I mean, let's be honest. Will and Jada Pinkett Smith probably know something about that, right? Uh, could Blake Wesley use another year of school? Yes, probably. I think most of us agree that, but... I don't know that school actually agrees with Wesley, though, because let's be honest, part two, school's a factor in this, as in actual school and classes at Notre Dame that Wesley would have to take both this summer and next fall if he were to come back to school. There's a reason Notre Dame hasn't had, you know, a lot of one and done types before, and school is a big factor there. And. You know, the school aspect of Wesley even being at Notre Dame is different than probably 99% of the guys Mike Bray and his staff have ever recruited. So if Wesley comes out and he's drafted low in the first round this year, he's not going to make as much money if he comes back for another year and turns into a lottery pick next year like Jaden Ivey at Purdue. And Ivy, by the way, announcing his intention to enter the draft today. He made his announcement on social media. And Ivy is projected as a top five guy. Wesley is projected around 20th across the board. There's a big difference, one in money there, and there's also a big difference in the kind of guarantees you get and, you know, actual potential roster spots and all that kind of stuff. There's there's big differences there. In the NBA, it's not like the NFL where you're pretty much guaranteed you're going to be on that NFL team for a few years. If you were drafted in the first round, the NBA is a different animal. But by coming out this year, if Wesley's drafted, he's still going to make at least a couple million bucks and have a rookie contract. It'll keep him for a minimum of three and up to, to four years with the team holding options for the last two years. On that, you know, he'll make a couple million bucks a year and he doesn't have to go to classes anymore. But again, lower your drafted, better team you're going to be on, which means playing time is harder to come by, which also makes it more realistic, more possible that he could end up being a G League guy early on, could find himself there, you know, all those things. How much is all that going to factor Into this because Blake Wesley is making a decision that he thinks is best for him, though, and that's ultimately what it all comes down to. It may or may not prove to be the right decision, but it's his decision, and he has to do what he thinks is best for him. And you know, he's got to work through that, so we'll see what happens for Blake Wesley. I truly am, you know, I think everyone, but for the most part, everyone you know, wishes Blake Wesley well and and hopes that it works out. But it's just the reality is there are no guarantees. And he's got to go through this draft evaluation process now. And again, if he doesn't hire an agent and goes through the process, he could still come back if he doesn't get the feedback that he's looking for. But if he hires an agent, then he is, you know, on it. And maybe he's satisfied with just, you know, being guaranteed a few million bucks and see what happens from there you know whether that means you know part-time NBA part-time G League whatever it happens to be again it's his decision and he's got to do what's best for him and and his family as well it's a big deal and and uh, congratulations to him and uh, hopefully it does work out but there's a lot that's got to be done a lot of evaluations all those things that are going to take place in the next couple of months and what we're talking about 3 months or so before the actual NBA draft so And really, you know, again, doing what's best for him. It's no different with the three Notre Dame women's basketball players who announced they're entering the transfer portal yesterday. Sam Brunel, Anaya Peoples, Abby Prohaska, all announcing their intentions on social media yesterday as well. And now, with transfers I know there's a knee-jerk reaction by the fan base. You know, the sky is falling, the program's falling apart, and on and on and on. And I'm not going to sit here and be Baghdad Bob and tell you all is well because, you know, this is an issue when you look at the composition of the roster that's left. And I'll get to that to a minute. The the roster that's left for the Notre Dame women now, with these three transferring, and you know, I'm not going to go into a, a lot of details on the whys and all that. Kind of the whys of all this because I'm in the position that you know I don't want to I don't want to talk out of school and those kind of things because of the position you know doing the play by play and traveling with the team and that kind of stuff. But I will say this: if I rank these three from most surprised to least surprised, it would go Peoples most surprised, Brunel in the middle, and then Prohaska least surprised. And they were all three reserves this year. And Prohaska was obviously hurt quite a bit. She had both a concussion that kept her out for a while, and then she broke a bone underneath her right eye. She had to have surgery on it. And that had her out for, uh, what, about a month and a half, I guess, by the time it was all said and done. But, look, she's a fan favorite. And But she also doesn't have the talent level of the other two. Prohaska's a senior. Two years of eligibility left because she sat out two years ago with another medical issue, and if she goes to a smaller school, Mac, Horizon, you know Atlantic Ten, wherever you know those kind of schools, I think she could play a lot, actually. And I didn't get the feeling that with her being a senior, even one with two years of eligibility left, that that it was going to be a priority for her to stay here. Um, you know to exhaust that eligibility, you know, cause you look at another Dara Mabry's a senior who has the super season of eligibility left and she's already announced that she's staying and Dara Mabry is going to stay here. But you know, the talent level Neil Ivey is bringing in has been increasing over the, you know, the last couple of years now peoples in Brunel, they were both McDonald's all Americans, both juniors with two years of eligibility left, but neither has played to that potential. Uh, over the last couple of seasons. They both averaged double figures in scoring as freshmen. Peoples had an injury, a uh, shoulder surgery her freshman year. She was on her way to maybe be an ACC freshman of the year. She ended up on the all-freshman team. But for both of them, Peoples and Brunel, their playing time and production have both dropped the last couple of years. And Peoples started all last year. She started the first half of this year before going to the bench when official eventual ACC freshman of the year Sonia Citron became the starter people's exited the lineup she was coming off the bench more she's also not a three-point shooter so her scoring options are limited as a guard you've got to be able to hit three-pointers in college and she is just not a three-point shooter not you know she's like part slasher can do some other things but you know her her range is like 15, 16 feet and in. And now Brunel was injured going into last year. She had some foot, ankle, type stuff, and by her own account, she gained over 20 pounds last year before her sophomore season. They didn't have you know the full preseason conditioning and all that kind of stuff. But she was never fully effective last year, and then in comes Maddie Westbeld, and they play the same position. And Westbeld played better than her last year. And now this year Brunel lost the weight. In good shape. She had some more injuries throughout the year, though, including a shoulder. Flashed as a score from time to time, mostly against the lesser teams on the schedule, like Ohio University. And, you know, her defense and lack of rebounding probably kept her from getting some more chances this year. Again, when you've got a player like Westbeld playing the same position who was in their time on the floor. Now, there was a time where Westbeld had a little bit of a slump. You know, in in February, but in in seeing both of them on the floor, West Beld performed better. You know, it just comes down to that. And while you'd think that two McDonald's All-Americans would have produced more, it's also probably notable they were recruited when Muffet McGraw was head coach, and she had a different offensive system than Neil Ivy. It's a different system now, and. With these three transferring, the players who will definitely be back next year. I was talking about the roster before, and that's the biggest issue in all of this. You know, not whether these players are transferring. It's what it leaves the roster with right now, because they had a pretty small roster this year to begin with. And so what they've got back now, Olivia Miles, all ACC point guard. No one's doubting her. Sonia Citron, ACC freshman of the year. No one's doubting her. Maddie Westbeld, last year's freshman of the year. No one's doubting her. Dara Mabry, great three-point shooter, no doubt there. So you've got at least four of the five starters back with those four alone. And then you've got Nat Marshall, post-player, going into her junior year without much experience. She had season-ending meniscus surgery this year. She hasn't played a whole lot so far in her first couple of years. But again, injury part of that this year. But she also had Maya Dodson in front of her, grand transfer from Stanford. And so they've got five players that are most likely definites unless something you know just comes out of the blue and you know one of them is going to leave too. I don't see that happening though, but that's five players. Dodson could still be back, but again, she's waiting on a sixth-year medical decision by the NCAA, whether or not they're going to grant her that year. It would be huge in a lot of ways if Dodson does come back next year because then you've got all five starters plus Marshall and then they also have an incoming another McDonald's All-American KK Bransford the two-time Ms. Ohio basketball coming in next year so that's six if Dodson comes back um, or seven if Dodson comes back five without I keep going back and and my math is bad With, with the addition of Bransford you've got guaranteed four returning starters plus Marshall and Bransford and then maybe Dodson. That So that is seven right there. That's not a long roster. Six definites, maybe seven, depending on what happens with Dodson. Kate Gilbert, she's gone as well. She basically took herself out of this season, wasn't traveling with the team towards the end of the season, not for medical reasons. She won't be back next year. So with just six definites back, maybe seven, it's going to be, Transfer portal shopping time for Neil Ivey and her staff. And a post player is a priority because they've brought in three guards the last two years, including Bransford now. And they've been very selective in their recruiting, much more interested in quality versus quantity. Uh, You know, they're going for high end type recruits, you know, and that's what they've got so far with Miles, Citron, and Bransford. Um, But they're also losing a lot of depth by losing these three. Players, and that's the most concerning thing about losing Brunel and Peoples because they were the two main bench players this season. And while losing players to the portal stinks, you just you have to resist the easy temptation to blame the coaches and all that because you can get caught up in the whole myopic view of things, like we're losing all these players to the transfer portal. Our coaches don't know what they're doing, and our program's going in the tank. All is not well. Again, I'm not going to tell you all is well, but Notre Dame is far from the only program being affected by players transferring. Okay, because again, you you got to get out of the myopic view of this. Oregon had three players go in the transfer portal this week as well. Two of them are starters. Uh, you know, one of them we talked about from Fishers, Indiana. Maybe that's a player that that you know that that. Uh, Neil Ivey can go after it in targets now. But, you know, the other's a reserve who had about the same production as an a of Peoples this year. Arizona's losing four players to the transfer portal. And their head coach was a rock star a year ago, losing in the national championship game. They're losing four players to the portal. Oregon three. Iowa, a team that was a number two seed in the NCAA tournament, they're losing two players to the portal. And they lost another player last year who was at Creighton this year who helped Creighton upset Iowa in the tournament this year. So, you know, again, all three of those teams, Oregon, Arizona, Iowa, they were NCAA tournament teams this year with seeds just as good as Notre Dame and two of them better. And so Notre Dame is far from alone in the portal phenomenon, and they won't be alone going forward either because players get instant eligibility, you know, to play when they transfer as long as it's their first transfer. And a lot of people get carried away with Jeff Waltz and Walt, everyone you know, down at Louisville with what a great recruiter he is and all this. But he lost some players to the portal last year, too. And he gained a couple players to the portal. Four of his top six scores this season at Louisville were transfer players. And that's not a knock. I'm just saying the transfer portal is going to be a way of life in college sports now. So it stinks when you get three players announced that are transferring. In one day, it stinks to lose three or, you know, two. It, it always stinks to lose players, especially when they were highly touted coming in. But it's a way of life in college athletics right now. So don't get caught up playing the blame game when players transfer because they all do it for their own reasons. Blake Wesley is going to the NBA for his own reasons. These players each have their own individual reasons that they're transferring as well. Most of it has to do with playing time. But just get used to it because it's going to keep happening more and more because the transfer portal is here to stay. So we'll see now what Notre Dame and and the LIV are able to do to get some back through the portal as well. Going to take a timeout when we come back. Christian McCollum from irisportsdaily.com will join me. We'll talk some Notre Dame football Recruiting Budweiser's weekday sports beat is brought to you by Budweiser. The king of beers locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. Midland Engineering Company beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. Tim Growl State Farm Insurance. Save money on home and auto insurance with Tim. Serving both Indiana and Michigan. Call 574-232-9981. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger's a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, Granting a Better Future, and Wings Etc. Grill and Pub with 14 Michiana area locations. Stop in today or order online at togo.wingsetc.com. The man, Christian McCollum, coming up next on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Budweiser's Weekday sports beat continues on this Thursday. And Thursday at 5.30 means Notre Dame football recruiting, and that means Christian McCollum from irisportsdaily.com. How are you today, Mr. McCollum?
1: Doing good, Sean. We're playing with a little bit of fire here. I hope you like it. (laughs) This this segment is uh, resting on the uh, strength of a pinky swear between myself and a three-year-old that she'll be quiet.
0: Oh, well, I mean... I don't know how many of the uh, the Notre Dame, you know, Zoom conferences you've been watching, but you know, there's there's a lot of kids kind of hanging out, you know, in the background in those most of the time. So Yeah,
1: it's a lot cuter <laughs> when you can see them and you you know, but yeah, you just hear right. them. It's not so great.
0: That's right. All right. So we'll see how the pinky swear goes. Maybe you have to get her some uh some of the munchkins from Dunkin' Donuts or, or something if she <laughs> if she holds up her end of the deal. Yeah. All right. Well let's uh Let's start with the big guy this week, Dante Moore on campus this week, the, uh, the quarterback, the five-star quarterback. So what is the latest with uh, this 2023 target?
1: Yeah, so you know, last week, I started to hear chatter from some sources that aren't necessarily as dialed in, and, and they were starting to talk about maybe the Dante Moore leaning to Notre Dame stuff was a smokescreen of sorts. Hmm. Uh, but it was sources that weren't exactly totally dialed in. So I, I almost think that chatter was the smokescreen, at least for now. Um, we felt good about Notre Dame's chances with Dante for a while now. And the feelings just seem to get stronger and stronger as we go. All reports are that this week's visit couldn't have gone much better. And, and people we trust, they're like, we, we know instead of like, oh, this guy said this guy, this guy. Right. Um, they feel good about Notre Dame's chances. They felt good about him coming into the visit. And they feel like it seems like they feel better coming out of it. Um, you know, but when you're the perceived leader for a, a elite target like Dante Moore, Um, and you feel pretty good about it, that's when you want to have that process come to a close soon, right? You don't want it to keep dangling out there. So that's kind of where we are right now at this point. I think the sooner he decides to make a decision or an announcement, the better for Notre Dame at this point. Um, Now, he's also a kid that doesn't really need to – Be pressured into making those decisions. From everything we've been told, he wants to kind of accelerate that because he understands the dominoes at quarterback. But he's kind of, you know, one of those guys that can kind of take his time a little bit. Uh, There was some talk about him potentially taking a visit to Ohio State this week. I heard that was off. You know, we'll see. Sounds like maybe Oregon's trying to make a play for him could they get a visit? You know, interesting there. Um, another visitor too which shouldn't be all that concerning, but if you see her, Oh, he's going to drag this thing out and play it out through the summer and he wants to take all of his officials. That's when other schools will have the chance to get in here and really shake things up. Um, but right now it, it seems like things are trending positive for Dante Moore in Notre Dame.
0: Well, I mean, it was just such a, a different kind of reception that he got, you know, he's saying, seeing the, the photos of him and his dad and, Marcus Freeman's out there and Tommy Reese is out there, you know, and it's like it's the uh, the greeting line outside yeah. the Goog when he showed up. It's a, a little bit different, it, it seems like, than uh, what we've become accustomed to at Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, so, and I mean, obviously Notre Dame, you know, you don't really see that, and I think it was kind of a, a coincidence of sorts that we were able to see those kind of pictures. Um, but, you know, Notre Dame definitely pulling out all the stops, showing this, kid, and, and that might seem like a silly thing to people, um, and it kind of doesn't see, look at it, right? Like critically, like all these people are there for him. They're not there. They're there to show him how much he's wanted there. Yeah. And, and that's the kind of stuff that matters.
0: Yep. Absolutely. All right. Another Notre Dame top 2023 commit the defensive end from Florida Keon Keeley. He was on campus this week too, and he's had schools coming pretty hard after him. So where, where's he sit now after coming back to South Bend this week?
1: So it's, it's important to recognize when Marcus Freeman talks about Notre Dame going after elite players, it's it's not just like this bravado or swagger, we're going to do it because we know how to do it. it. There's some strategy that goes into this, and there's a little bit of give and take. So when the Notre Dame staff, what they've seemed to decide is they're willing to go after the very best players in the country and try to land them as soon as they can. It sounds simple. But that comes with a little bit of risk because when you get elite guys on board early, the other schools, they're not going to give up. They're not just going to say, okay, we'll move on to the next guy. That's not the way recruiting works. Um, And it's impossible to expect these elite kids that commit very early to just shut the door completely on recruiting. Um, It really, and I know a lot of people will say like, you know, you're your commit, man of your word and all that stuff. There's some value to that. But at the same time, anyone can see the way this college football changes the landscape changes every year, sometimes more than that. So uh, a recruit would be silly, and it would be unwise for them to really kind of shut things off completely. So guys like Keeley, you know, they're going to be chased by these top schools throughout. You know, Florida is one of the biggest ones going after him right now. But what you rely on is he committed to Notre Dame for a reason. He continues to come back to South Bend, which is a good sign. Yeah. He was on campus with his mother and the Reeder family you know, the Reader family, Trey Readers is a 2022 Notre Dame. He's going to play. He's a linebacker commit for Notre Dame. His brother Troy is a 2023 Notre Dame baseball commit. Those families are very, very close, and that's definitely going to help things um, as far as, you know, keeping Keon Keely in the mix. Sounds like Keely will be back on campus soon. That's another thing. So, you know, not to say this is a kid that's just going to play this whole thing out and just try to get attention because that's not the vibe we get at all, but at the same time, you know, prior to this it would have been silly for someone like him not to you know answer phone calls and talk to people but i think Notre Dame would like to see that come to an end here soon now that we're moving down the, the road in the process right but th- these are the kind of situations that are to be expected moving forward and it's really is a sign of trying to elevate your game recruiting wise
0: Christian McCollum with us from irishsportsdaily.com talking Notre Dame football Recruiting some big targets on uh, on campus this week. And a guy we've talked about before who uh, kind of keeps flying under the radar a little bit is another 2023 guy from Massachusetts, the uh, athlete Ronan Hannafin. And last month you talked about how he landed an offer from Ohio State. But he got another pretty big one, uh, too, I heard, huh?
1: He actually got two now. Right? Oh, wow. So he, he got Alabama yesterday. That's right. And then today he got Clemson. So, you know, look, I understand the hesitancy with people that follow this just based on the fact that he plays at a small private school in Massachusetts. It's not a football powerhouse. I live in Massachusetts. It's not the hotbed and we're not producing four or five star (laughs) prospects. Trust me, I get it. Um, Am I a little biased just from being here? Of course, you know, Uh, but at the same time, all these schools aren't wrong. All right. So and, and, and I know these are not the kind of prospects, and this is not the kind of time when Notre Dame gets those kind of things wrong. So, if you think about it, uh, Notre Dame was his first major, one of his first major offers. At the time, it was clear that an offer from Notre Dame would be huge for him. It came during a visit um, in Notre Dame when it would be a huge offer, and Notre Dame would have a great chance at landing him. These aren't the kind of guys that Notre Dame reaches for early in the process because that could cause some complications. If you offer this kid right away and he wants to commit, it's almost worse than if you didn't offer him if you're not ready to take him. yeah. So the only way you offer that kid that early is if you truly believe he's a player, regardless of what everyone else thinks. You know, if he doesn't have these offers and you're the first one in, it's going to help you. And you also realize that you're not the only person in the world that's going to see what you see. So these other offers are coming. So, you know, a lot of people will doubt him, but I mean, you know, Marcus Freeman, there's reason to, you know, trust, you know, his staff's evaluations. Plenty of reason to trust Ohio State staff's evaluations. Plenty of reasons to trust that guy, Nick Saban's evaluations, Clemson's evaluations. So this kid's legit, and, and we've been saying that for a long time now that he'd be a national prospect, and he is. Um, and, and Notre Dame, as long as they want to be in this race, I think they're gonna have a really, really good shot at. We mentioned it before; he's very close with Preston Zinter, who committed to Notre Dame recently. Mm-hmm um and Ronan's kind of going through the process he told me he was going to go through take some visits this spring see where everything lands and and then make a decision now after picking up some of these offers he might have a a more of a tough decision than he thought he was going into it
0: all right so another 2023 guy uh from North Carolina an offensive lineman Sam Pendleton um a couple of weeks ago he uh well they Notre Dame offered him a couple of weeks ago he plans to visit already so how'd that uh, kind of all come together so quickly
1: Yeah, so this was a kid who wasn't really firmly on Notre Dame radar until just recently. He actually cut his list of five schools in February. He cut his list down to Clemson, Virginia Tech, NC State, Penn State, and Michigan. Then he did a photo shoot with a a somewhat well-known national reporter in this vein uh, earlier this month and was asked, you know, is there any schools that you haven't heard from or hadn't heard a bunch from or not offered from that you'd like to? And he just mentioned Notre Dame. And within a few days, Harry Heastan caught wind of that reached out and they had some conversations shortly after that he had an offer and pretty much immediately scheduled a visit to Notre Dame. Um, he's a kid that's kind of seeing his things blow up. I think he thought he might have a decision in February, but offers kept coming in. So it's still a little early in the relationship with Notre Dame in terms of research and all that stuff. But there are plenty of signs of serious mutual interest here. Um, you know, he's coming in, he's visiting next weekend. He's coming into a trip with an open mind, and I, and I okay. think he's going to be pretty impressed. Uh, he also visits Florida next month. Uh, from there, it isn't really clear what he's going to do, uh, but I would be shocked if he didn't have a decision by the summer.
0: Okay, and then another guy, Pennsylvania linebacker Anthony Specka. He was the first guy Notre Dame offered for the class of 2024, and I understand he's coming in this weekend. So where do things stand with Specka?
1: Yeah, I really like this kid. He's a, he's a young kid, but he's super mature. As you mentioned, first kid in 2024 to report a Notre Dame offer. Um, and he's really close to the Heinrich family, um, Donovan and Kurt. So, you know, it's Central Catholic in Pence, Pittsburgh, big-time Notre Dame pipeline there. Yep. Um, and the thing that's interesting is he's being recruited by two of Notre Dame's new staff members, which gives us some insight into them. And both Brian Mason and Al Golden have been super impressive so far to him. Golden with his resume, Mason with his energy and being a young guy. Um, and that's kind of an addition because Speck has been pretty interested in Notre Dame even before those guys came. Uh, Penn State's going to be a threat. Pitt's going to be a threat. Michigan, Ohio State, all those schools. Um, kid that I don't think's in a rush to make a decision. Uh, but by the end of the summer, I'd expect him to kind of officially narrow down his list. And I, I think Notre Dame would be around for a while with him.
0: All right, sounds good. Christian McCollum, Notre Dame football recruiting update. IrishSportsDaily.com is where you'll find all his stuff. What else is going on there right now, Christian?
1: Yeah, so tomorrow's Friday, obviously, so we have ISD Intel. We'll have a ton of information, um, you know, on guys that visited, the guys that are going to visit, where everybody stands. Um, And I know Jamie Uyama and Greg Flamong are doing their hit and hustle tonight. It's always really, really well worth it. Um, And Matt Freeman, John Bryce, and Mike Freeman – or Mike Frank are uh, all definitely doing their thing and and covering the beats from all different angles.
0: All right. Sounds good. So you'll find it all at irisportsdaily.com. Christian, thanks as always. I will talk to you next week. Thanks, Sean. All right. Absolutely. Christian McCollum, irisportsdaily.com with our weekly Notre Dame football recruiting update. We'll take a timeout when we come back. More Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Got some uh, stuff on the Final Four for you bobby hensley's coming up in the six o'clock hour as well rapid fire with a slew of different topics as always that's coming up next on budweiser's weekday sports week
2: which you can put toward an extra treat that everyone will enjoy like an old-fashioned popcorn machine visit bankofamericacom slash more rewarding and apply now copyright 2021 bank of america corporation
0: Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future.
1: Remember how 15 years ago I switched to Progressive? Well, I used all those savings to buy that golf club that swings
2: for you. But now everyone who plays golf is really good because, you know, the club swings for
0: you in in the future, which is now. So switch to progressive and save big because those savings can add up in the future. Yeah, future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates National Annual Average Insurance Savings by New customer surveyed who saved with progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary.
2: Tim's taxes were an unbelievably tangled mess. The IRS just wouldn't work with me. Then Optima got involved, and I mean they really got involved. Optima Tax Relief is A plus rated by the Better Business Bureau, and they've resolved over one billion dollars for their clients. It's like having two lives: the one before Optima tax and the one after. Do what Tim did. Call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800 four 800 473
1: 9933. Optima Tax Relief. Testimonial from an actual client.
2: Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com.
0: Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat continues on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Want to be sure you know? That FanDuel Sportsbook is giving new customers a $150 instant bonus guarantee. That's right. You'll get $150 in bonus site credit, and all you have to do is place your first bet of $5 or more. How you make the bet is up to you. You can choose from money lines, point totals, prop bets, and so much more. Of course, we have got all the big basketball games coming up this weekend and I like both Kansas and Duke given the points against Villanova and North Carolina, respectively this Saturday in the two men's semifinals. So join FanDuel today, use my promo code WSBT, and then you can place your $5 bet to score $150 in bonus site credit guaranteed. Again, that's promo code WSBT on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Must be 21 plus and present in Indiana. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable site credit that expires 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Help with a gambling problem. Call one eight hundred nine with it And, of course, we have got both the men's and women's Final Fours coming up over the next Four days beginning tomorrow when we uh, begin with the women's final fours or final four not final fours the uh, the two games I guess uh, coming up tomorrow and it starts at seven o'clock with Louisville against South Carolina the Gamecocks are the number one overall seed in the women's Bracket that game again is at seven, and then the late game at about nine thirty tomorrow night. It is UConn against Stanford, and I'm looking to uh, to see my lines here right now. South Carolina minus eight and a half against Louisville, and Stanford minus one and a half against UConn. Hmm, I think I like. Louisville at plus eight and a half, but I do like South Carolina to win that game. They're picking a fairly low-scoring game as well. The over/under is only 119 and a half. That other game, Stanford and UConn, I'm just not sure. Stanford, the defending champ. UConn's got Paige Becker's back now. She missed a good chunk of the season, part of why they're number two seed and all that. But uh, I'm leaning toward UConn, but don't don't hold me to that yet. Right now, Saturday, the men's final four in New Orleans, the 6:09 game, Kansas against Villanova, and then uh, the nine o'clock game, Duke against North Carolina, and then Sunday, the women's national championship game at eight. Monday night, 9:20 tip off. Everybody loves that, right? Yeah, that's the men's game. Coverage starts at 6:30 Monday on WSBT, leading up to the 9:20 tip-off for the men's national championship game. And our coverage of the women's Final Four from ESPN Radio starts at 6.30 tomorrow night here as well. And I'm looking. I want to see if the lines have changed at all on the men's. Nope, they are exactly the same. They've pretty much been holding all week. Kansas minus 4.5 against Villanova. And, of course, Villanova playing without... Justin Moore, who tore his uh, Achilles in the tournament a couple of days ago. He's um, a guy who averages 15 points per game. Duke and North Carolina pretty much full strength, and uh, Duke is minus four against the Tar Heels. The over-under for Kansas Villanova is 133 right now, and I'm really leaning on the over on that one. Duke, North Carolina, 151, and I'm still trying to decide. Right now. So we shall see. We shall see. But all four of those teams, of course, with fairly recent Final Four experience. Kansas lost to Villanova in the 2018 national semifinals as the Wildcats went on to uh, win the uh, second of their two national championships in a three year. Stretch Duke looking for its first title since 2015 and North Carolina their last national championship was in 2017 and of course for Kansas last title was in 2008 Time out and then a sports Center update and then Bobby Hensley with me for rapid fire in the 6 o'clock hour on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Hey sports fans, United Beverage Company of South Bend wants to thank you. Thank you for supporting our local economy. Thank you for shopping local, for dining local, for celebrating with your buds local. United Beverage, locally owned and operated, is proud to distribute the Anheuser-Busch family of beers. Quality name brands like Budweiser, Bud Light, Michelob Ultra, and now introducing Bud Light next. 80 calories, zero carbs. Brewed for what's next. Bud Light next. Proud to serve you and our local community for 90 years. It's United Beverage Company, reminding you to drink wiser. For a beautiful look that protects and stays clean. Choose Dutch Boy Paint from an Arts. Now all you are listening to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat with Sean Styers. On Sports Radio, 9:60 a.m. WSBT. Six o'clock hour, and joined by the one and only Bobby Hensley, sliding in on a rainy night here in South Bend. I think every day's rainy now. Uh, it's okay, though. It's not snow. It's getting soft. My driveway had just dried out. Yeah, and then it's, uh, how, when was that? Because then we got snow, and then it melted, now we've got all this rain, and so it's puddled up again, because I've got a gravel driveway, and it's getting all soft again out there. So. Just got to pave that. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot yeah. of fun. Sounds like it. Little mud under the tires. Uh, the the whole pave it thing. That's another story. It's <laughs> technically it's a county access road that you'll have to come to my house sometime and I'll explain the whole thing to you. Sure, it sounds <laughs> like a lot of fun. Because other people, <laughs> so, so, because it doesn't technically belong to me, my neighbor can use it, oh. and you know we live on a highway, mm-hmm. and what he likes doing, so he doesn't have to turn his cars around. Is drive through "quote unquote" my driveway (laughs) and park on his cement slab next to his driveway, so that he doesn't have to turn around. But in the meantime, I've got all these ruts and you know holes that form in the driveway that's doesn't belong to me, but leads actually to my house. So, so you You got
2: me off on a whole tangent (laughs) here, Bobby. So you like your neighbors, what I'm gathering?
0: (laughs) I don't know him real well. I've only lived there for well that couple of years. That's a perfect neighbor. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He <laughs> kind of keeps to himself. You know, right. we wave at each other, that kind of stuff. That's absolutely perfect. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, uh, a lot of, you know, the new news today, Jaden Ivy declaring for the draft, unlike yesterday, I don't think that catches anybody off guard. You know, the sophomore at Purdue had a good year last year. Nobody really thought he was NBA ready last year. Comes back and I mean, he just... He was a human highlight machine this year, leads Purdue in scoring, gets him to the NCAA tournament, into the Sweet 16, and and all that kind of stuff. And now he's projected as a lottery pick, and so he uh, announced today that that he's headed to the NBA. Which you expected, like you just
2: said, it's just weird that he got so much better between his freshman and sophomore years. He really did. So his stock is not going to be any higher than it is right now cuz even if you don't think he's a ready and established NBA talent right now, his trajectory is still going up by so much that you think that guy's going to be a superstar
0: maybe. You know, and we don't you know, obviously this area, you know, even like at the whether it's Indiana University, Notre Dame, Purdue, you know, this whole you know just the colleges themselves, we don't typically have guys who are being thought of as first-round picks. At the same time, it seems you know there's there's obviously every now and then, and most but, of are four-year guys too. Yeah, our friend Chuck <laughs> Freeby tweeted this this afternoon. Like, if Wesley, if Blake Wesley and Jade Ivey both go in the first round, South Bend, Mishawaka, you know, the Michiana area has never had two guys from this you know particular area go in the first round. Of the same draft, so you know. So that's pretty incredible. And Ivy, you know, again, Ivy's projected as a lottery pick. A lot of the picks right now, or a lot of the projections right now, have him going like fourth, fifth, wow, overall. That's so high. I mean, you're talking about yeah, upper now, level. We'll see. We'll see kind of how that shakes up. And, and that's what I was getting ready to say. I don't follow the NBA draft closely enough to know. You know, because like when you look at the NFL mock drafts and all that kind of stuff. Now these guys typically tend to go in the first round. Some guys are going to slide. You know, they might go you know, if they're projected third, they might go tenth or You know, something like that. Whatever. I don't I I haven't followed the NBA mocks enough over the near years to kind of know exactly how close they come, especially pre draft workout process compared to two months from now after these guys have all been through the ringer and and the washer and all that kind of stuff and you know, and gone through that process, how their, how their stock changes potentially. And that's, that's really, especially with Wesley, I don't think Ivy's going to change that much, but I really wonder if, you know, how, how his, all these projections are going to hold up for Blake Wesley when the draft process is done. Well, comparing the the, pre-draft process is done. Comparing
2: the drafts, the NBA one is such a different process because, You almost just have to take the most talented guy because they're all on the court at the same time. Whereas Mm -hmm. the NFL, you might have a really good quarterback. So if a quarterback's available, you don't need them. Right? Like you're not gonna, you know, draft another franchise quarterback two years after you just drafted one. Yeah. So it's just a different whole process. But for basketball, I think a lot of the especially once you get outside of the top 10, it turns into more of what the potential is, not what they are right now even. Mm-hmm. So you talk about the the workouts, and how much can a guy change from now to two months from now? Not that much. But I think you're drafting in the later first round and definitely the whole second round based on potential of where you think they could aspire to be, as cheesy as that might sound. I think you're looking at, what? Well, okay, so... That's where like Wesley could look even better because like wow, he's pretty talented and he's already an Ivy as well, but Ivy's already solidified in that lottery. Yeah. But Wesley, it's like, well, he's already gotten this much better and he's only 18, 19 years old. You know, by the time he's 23, how good could he possibly be? Where some of these other guys, like especially if you're a four-year player in college, it's like, well, you're pretty much at your plateau, or maybe you can get a little bit better. So I think the end of that first round and beginning of the second round
0: where Wesley is, is it going to be a whole more potential base? But the problem with beginning of the second round is there's zero guarantees. You can go straight to the G League. because even If you make it to the G League. That's right. Because even being drafted, and I was talking about this yesterday, late in the first round, there are no guarantees there. You could still end up in the G League. From there you're guaranteed essentially as a first-round pick two years on your contract. Then the team has options for the third and fourth years, so you're you're only guaranteed two years on that rookie contract. And, and if you're drafted that late, a couple of things happen. One, you go that late, so that means you're going to a better team. So it's like okay, better team, that's good news. Harder to get in the but, lineup, exactly, exactly. And so that increases the odds that you're going to end up in the g-league and what do you do there and how do you handle that and can you actually get back to the nba what's that all look like and again i was talking about demetrius jackson I was and how say he, him, yeah. you know bounced around on those two-way contracts and didn't, didn't worry quite,
2: you know yeah, yeah. but the, the whole g-league thing is weird because how many people have i don't know
0: what a good word is i'm just gonna say graduated from the g-league to become a star in the nba no, that's, see, and that's, I, I was telling Vince yesterday, I read this article just a couple of days ago about, they were talking about what typically happens in the G League. And, and what, what this guy said was players go to the G League and they have the wrong mindset. Like, and the reason so many guys don't make it out of the G League is because they, they go there. And in their mind, they think they're trying to be a star and you know show they can be a star and get to the NBA and then they're just gonna, you know, show the world what they're really made of and and, and that kind of thing. What the G League really is, is just proving you can find a role, a niche. And come out of the G League and be a niche player, a role player in the NBA. It's not like you're going to turn into the star. And so that's be a sharpshooter, be a defensive specialist, yeah, it's, do something. It's the wrong mindset. It's you know the, apparently that most of these guys have trying to get out of the G League, and that's why so many guys end up there. And like uh, Malik Newman is a guy for Kansas who came out. A year, you know, after his junior year, could have stayed for another year. He was a star at Kansas a few years back. Went to the Final Four, all that kind of stuff. And like, I felt like if he would have come back the next year, they could have been really good. But he declares for the draft, and he's been a two-way guy. And it's been like six, seven years now, something just like that. Never that, established that's all he's himself. Been. He's yeah. never made his way, you know consistently out of the g-league and he was a really good player at kansas on obviously a really good team well you know, the g-league to me and i i don't know the depths of
2: everything and how much yeah he, but it, but the, what it is to me is those guys it's playing time because you don't want to be the 10th or 11th guy at an nba bench and then waste your four good year your most athletic years yeah and then maybe have a shot to be a role player and nobody hangs on that long anyway, let's be honest. Yeah. But so you go to the G League, at least you're getting reps, you're getting minutes. So all you're doing is establishing that you can play ball and that you can hold up, like you said. And it, it's just, I can't. I w- it's not a demotion because you're still playing pro ball. You're still doing something for a living. Yeah, but can you imagine no, what, I, what the yeah. majority of those crowds are like?
0: Too, it's probably but you think like, there is a crowd. Well, and that's my point. Yeah, yeah. there's and more just, media people there probably. Yeah, and just the environment. Yeah. that you're playing in, it's you know a lot of self motivation. I have to imagine night after night.
2: Sure, and there could be a couple of good stories, but by and large, if you're, it's like summer basketball for the NBA. It, it's just for mostly the rookies to get their. You know, they're, they're rust off. But, man, that G League, it's a good thing they have that because without that, you're looking at guys that would leave for the pros that would end up with nothing. Yeah. So I'm happy they have it, and I, I'm happy that they fund it. But that's not – like if even if you have a risk of going there, I don't understand the, the allure to be like, all right, well, I'm probably going to end up in the G League, yeah. and I'm only a freshman. Maybe I should uh, go to the G League and see if I can prove myself there. I just don't get it. Like, yeah. you're going to end up playing overseas is what's going to happen.
0: I – I think so as well. All right. All these things happened in the last five weeks. Just the last five so weeks. We're, we're, go ahead. Before go you ahead. get into this, this is almost the exact opposite of what we had two years ago when nothing happened <laughs> yes. this time of year for <laughs> no. five or six I weeks. I mean, it is the exact opposite. Yeah. yeah, because two years ago at this time, yeah. nothing was going on, if you remember. Yep. Pandemic. That's <laughs> right. So all these things happened in the last two weeks. Jawan Howard hit a Wisconsin assistant coach. Russell Wilson traded to the Broncos. Tom Brady comes out of retirement. Aaron Rodgers re-ups with the Packers after all the, you know, would he, wouldn't he. Devontae Adams leaves the Packers, signs with the Raiders. Tyreek Hill traded to the Dolphins. The MLB lockout ended within the last five weeks. Should be opening day today. Yeah. St. Peter's goes to the Elite Eight. Bruce Arians steps down as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach. Will Smith slapped Chris Rock on live TV at the Oscars. Blake Wesley declared for the NBA draft. And I guess we can throw Jaden Ivey declaring in there, but yeah. not really a, not surprise. a surprise. It doesn't yeah. you know, kind of fit the theme. He didn't have to declare. He yeah, had to declare. Right. Going back. Yeah. And then the Notre Dame women's basketball team also had three players enter the transfer portal on the same day yesterday. Which of those, that's a long list, which is the biggest shock to you? I think when you talk about biggest shock,
2: to me the one would be, Devonte Adams leaving the Packers because Rodgers was back, and I'm not saying that any of those are a surprise. But I think Tom Brady came out of retirement, you talk about I or uh, yeah, Ivy declaring was that. So was Rodgers coming back a surprise? No. Was Brady coming out of retirement? No, not really. So Devonte Adams leaving a couple days after Rodgers came back, I
0: think that was a huge surprise, and then. I mean, I was gonna, I was caught off guard by that because I was kind of under the assumption that if Rodgers stayed in Green Bay, Devontae Adams was going to stay in Green Bay. Or so was definitely there was a level of surprise there. I think. Not even that. I think that if
2: like Rodgers had gone to Denver, it wouldn't be surprising to see if Devonte followed. Yeah, but Denver's the true. the narrative that was being told before that sign, and then so the fact that they split up even is surprising. Much less that it was one came back mm-hmm. and then one left. And then, obviously, I think you got to say St. Peter's, because just based on odds, that has to be the most unlikely of
0: all the things that you brought up. First 15 seed ever to get to the Elite Eight. Yeah. Sweet I mean, 16, even. Yeah. I mean, that's – well, are you sure? No, but I'm pretty
2: sure. And then, for sure, the Elite Eight, and for sure for the small size of their campus, it's not like they have a history of a program that yeah. that was making the tournament just not moving very
0: far in it. It's just like, where do they even come from? Yeah, and now they're looking for a new – head coach (laughs) yeah uh the the Arians thing we'll talk about here in a minute I was not surprised Mm -mm. by that to me the two slaps the Howard and the Oscars Will Smith that just you know on live TV both of them well when you think about it I think if you want to talk about the the Howard one that's not that big of a surprise
2: because he had an altercation last year it wasn't a slap, was an but, altercation, but it was
0: altercation or was it
2: just kind of like some it, shouting? It was an incident, I would say. It, it didn't look good for him, yeah, and it showed him in not a good light. And yeah. it wasn't nearly as bad. And I get that. that That's true. That,
0: I would. I, I guess it's you don't f- expect it from a head coach of a high profile program like that. Um, Will Smith <sighs> at the Oscars, though, because nothing like that has ever happened. <laughs> no, everybody <laughs> you know, just sat there and with again their it's mouth on open. live TV. Yeah, people thought it was. You know, you were kind of in that, you know, it was all planned and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, it's looking and sounded more and more like there's no way it was was planned, (laughs) you know. So for for that. And again, it's like we're talking like think of the image of Hollywood, you know, liberal, touchy feely. But, you know, no one's going to get violent. And then here's Will Smith up and out of his seat, walks up on stage. And apparently, did you see that? During, like, the that next commercial break or whatever, the Academy, like, they tried to get him to leave, but he wouldn't leave, apparently. Well, that's he weird. He stayed. Yeah. So, well,
2: that shows you how much of his speech for his best uh, actor was improv, because he <laughs> yeah, said, I hope right. that they ask me back. <laughs> that's right. I'm that, still
0: more and more impressed by Chris Rock and yeah. how he handled the whole thing, you know, when you think about it.
2: But the, that whole thing, I think we touched on it before, but it's like, when you're a comedian, you're making fun of the people you see. So now, are they just given the green
0: light if you're offended to go up there and hit the comedian? I it's, know. It's that. Uh, and that's what and, you, you and know, this I Smith- get I get like the people who say, "Well, Will Smith was defending his wife." Oh to to a point, to a point. Well, there's right? a whole lot there. But right. yeah, I mean, there is. There's a whole and we talked a little bit about it earlier yeah. this week. It's one thing to, you know, defend your wife's honor, whatever, but what Get up out of your seat and to physically smack someone because you know it's like sticks and stones, right? right? It's like to get up and do that just because somebody said something. Use your words, my man. Well, use your words. You don't to to even to hit somebody across the face for that is just even ridiculous. if he just walked up there and
2: said, "Keep my wife's name out of your mouth." Yeah, like in front of him on the seat. right? And you, I'm not saying to cool off or whatever, but he had to walk. So, like, even when he got up there, yeah. he could have cooled off a little. And he didn't. No, so. no, no he didn't.
0: No, and he will,
2: didn't. will Smith, we talked about it two times this week. I mean, it's one of those things, one of those rare moments that everybody will remember where they were when they heard about Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. For sure.
0: He's Bobby Hensley. I'm Sean Styers. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat and Rapid Fire will take a time. Well, Rapid Fire is coming up. We will do that next on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Rapid Fire starts now on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. And now your host, Sean Styers. Along with Bobby Hensley, Rapid Fire. Bobby, do you buy or sell that Bruce Arians stepping down as Tampa Bay's head coach had nothing to do with a reported rift with Tom Brady? So, there's <laughs> no way the guy comes
2: back after won a Super Bowl. And then had another good run, you'd say, in mm-hmm. the playoffs. And then Brady retires, and Brady comes back. I have to believe it. Brady said, "I'll come back as long as Arians isn't coach." because yeah. I think you you might have been of everyone I know more loudly against Brady. Not against, but thinking that Brady wouldn't be on the Bucks this year. Right. And so and it convinced you convinced me that he wouldn't be <laughs> on the Bucks, and I saw some reports of him potentially going to the Dolphins, which was very interesting to me. Right, and maybe you could see maybe I think the NFL is turning to where the NBA used to be, where we recruit. You know, you get your big three, and then mm-hmm. you go somewhere. So maybe that could make sense where the Dolphins got Hill. You know, they gave up a lot to get him, so maybe that would make sense if they were trying to recruit Brady to play for a year there, and then San Fran would be another natural landing spot for Brady. So if Tampa wanted to keep him. Their big recruit was Russell Gage, out of Atlanta, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then, and then he doesn't get along with the coach. So I just don't see a path for Brady playing for them. And now it's like, well, it's starting to be clear. And plus, who took over as coach?
0: Todd. A defensive Bowles.
2: coach. Defensive coach. So you
0: don't have to worry about Anyone? because the reports were Arians was meddling with the offense. You know, I talked about this. You know, granted, I you know this these are reports that I've read, but apparently the things that were coming out was that, was that like uh Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady Byron Leftwich the offensive coordinator they would put the game game plan together for mm-hmm. for the game during the week and then Saturday day before the game Arians would come in take the game plan and go nope 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 and start crossing stuff out and and you know and that kind of thing and it just makes sense to me that with with that kind of thing being reported Tom Brady first he's going to retire and it sure seemed like when you look at him coming back and all this stuff like he retired thinking he would you know that was going to get him to San Francisco or Miami or wherever else he wanted to play but Bruce Arians was pretty adamant about the fact that we've got the rights to Tom Brady we're not going to give him up and if he's going to play he's going to play here so brady comes back because he wants to play And then just what you said. So now Arian steps down. You've got a defensive-minded head coach who's not going to be worried about the offensive game plan, and you know it leaves Leftwich and Brady to do their thing together. So I just that's what I think. It's it's like a Brian Kelly press conference. If you are (laughs) going to listen to Bruce Arians, you know he can spin it whatever way he wants. He's going to tell you, Spin Doctor, that's exactly right. He can tell you you know what he wants you to hear, but that doesn't make it the truth.
2: No, I and I think we're going to get a documentary out of this later in life. <laughs> I think we will. Because it's, it it, it's just so transparent. I don't know why they wouldn't just admit it out loud. Like Arians is being, he's going to move to the front office cause, because uh, Arians isn't young either. But are you going to really mortgage your whole franchise on a guy that's 45 years old right. as a quarterback? Right. And they still have some work to do through free agency or re-signing or whatever. And I know Brady's not asking for the contract. He's always willing to work his contract down to give other people more money. But they still need work if they want to have the squad around Brady that I think he needs. Because right now they don't have an established running game. Their previous two running backs, one just signed with another team, Jones. And um, Ferdinand hasn't signed with anyone yet, I don't believe. So they need more pieces around Tom Brady in that offense to make it yeah. So that they're competitive. Yep, I agree. And it also makes sense if Antonio Brown didn't get along with Arians based on what you said in the game plan and stuff like that. Maybe yeah. that's what kind of true left
0: a sour taste in his mouth. Very so. true. Fill in the blank. It would be blank if North Carolina ended Coach K's career in the Final Four Saturday. The absolute best thing ever.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Outside of winning a championship, I don't see, as a Carolina fan, I don't see a better ending for Coach K and that Carolina Duke rivalry and you got to respect that Duke's won a lot of games and I think you go into this as a Carolina fan thinking we've already overachieved this year not borrowed time per se but you know we got nothing to lose whereas Duke they have all the pressure and the last time they had all the pressure to try and make a special day for Coach K totally crumbled totally crumbled they were up a little bit early and then the rest of that game they just didn't show up so I think it'd be amazing plus I, like I, 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 we've gone over it before, but Coach K having his own goodbye tour really bugs me. I'm glad Roy Williams didn't do that because I would have probably been like, "Well, I don't like it, but he
0: deserves it." Right. Whereas Coach K, I can just I not mean, he, like it. He's not the first <laughs> yeah. guy to ever, you know, do a to, to to take a victory lap and that kind of stuff. But but then to you know. expect things along the way of that victory lap is what bugs me. Right. Like like the whole thing that we we talked about. A few weeks back, you know, after that Duke North Carolina game, that apparently the Carolina Duke one was ticked again. off. <laughs> yeah. Well, Duke was ticked off that North Carolina didn't do some kind of ceremony or something for him. And it's wh- why do they owe him that? They, he's not their coach. They don't owe him that. You do that. That's that's what you're for. And I, he he coaches for your institution. You take care of that. There's no one no one owes him anything. I almost wonder if I hope, you know. He, if it
2: if their home and away had been flipped, in the last regular season game was in the Dean Dome for Carolina. Yeah, I almost wonder if they would have let him have a moment, not a whole, you know, parade or anything, but have a moment because it would have been his last game potentially. Yeah, but the fact that yeah it was a middle of the season game at Carolina, why would they do a special yeah, for him exactly? And
0: especially when the two teams are playing again. Do you know? Do you know uh, his record against North Carolina by the way? Mm-mm. Fifty and forty seven. Hmm. Pretty close. That's pretty close. That's it. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Go out 50 and 48. That would be... <laughs> it's amazing to me that they've never played in the NCAA tournament before. Well, I was just thinking, as like, you said, you their know, record. ever, Especially by the time they get to the Final Four, as many times as they have both been number 1 seeds, especially like back in the 90s when they were both competing for national championships all the time. Sure, but back then almost you had to get the championship game to even meet. So like now they're on the same side
2: because Carolina's down a little bit and had an eight seed, right? Whereas if they were both ones, they would have purposely put them apart because mm-hmm. oh god, they would love that to be a championship game, wouldn't they? <laughs> like you, got, you have to think that this game coming up on Saturday is gonna be the most televised game in the history of
0: college basketball. I'll be really curious. I-, I wonder if because these games are gonna this weekend are on TBS and not CBS, so it's oh, cable that, versus know. real TV. Uh, I wonder if CBS is just kicking themselves for putting for having it on TBS because that could really have been a massive number if it's on broadcast television instead of cable yeah and, and even, I don't think people understand the difference it's like you you're you're almost talking about the difference in a hundred million households I think or something just like for that. availability yeah,
2: yeah. right and that's what I mean yeah yeah. Oh, yeah they're they have to be kicking themselves I mean you again there are two seed and eight seed, so they couldn't have expected it. But the way the tournament was breaking, I said something to one of my buddies like in the Sweet 16. I go, wow, I I see this because, again, I'm, a, I'm always negative. So I'm like, Duke's <laughs> going to beat Carolina in the Final not Four you. and they'll get their revenge on Carolina. You're not negative, Bobby. I, I almost wonder if a game like this, not that Kansas Villanova is a bad matchup for TV. I
0: mean, they're both good matchups, but then Villanova is not quite as sexy. Like right. be- be- as as the other th- again, you know, we cut, uh-huh. we sort of touched on this with the whole blue blood conversation the other day. Villanova's a really successful recent team, but they're still not anywhere close to the national draw that those other three teams have. Like there are pockets of Duke, North Carolina, and Kansas fans Everywhere. all over the country. And I, yeah. You know, like that- go to Chicago. Like to, you know, like did you look at the regional final yeah. the other day? I mean, that was very. There there are a lot of, and I found this out. You know, in those. In 2014 and 2015, going to some Cubs and White Sox versus Royals games. Like, just how many people from Kansas and Kansas City live in Chicago. Which is they, amazing, bo- yeah. It, you know, like, both cases, the the Royals fans outnumbered the home fans at both of those ballparks for those games. So, it's like, there are a lot of people from that. But, you well, know, again, you, Villanova just, it's, it's not as high profile as the other three.
2: No, and you look at like in the pre—not preseason—but the non-conference, they had um a, a one of those specialty showcases in Chicago a couple of years ago, and it was Carolina, Kansas, like Kentucky, yeah. and I think Ohio State maybe, yeah. Which Ohio State maybe didn't fit, in. and UCLA was part of it one year, so I think it might have been the four Blue Bloods as we keep using that term. Yeah, Villanova wasn't there. Yeah, I but anyway, so th- because they were playing at the United Center and it was a big deal because of those four programs. Yeah, just going back to the the ratings and stuff this weekend,
0: though, it's gonna be a crazy weekend for basketball and I hope the games are at least good. Like look at like when you talk about the Villanova argument about, you know, whatever their stature is and are they blue blood and all that if Georgetown if you if you replaced right now. That's a good the one. Nation- if you replaced Georgetown with Villanova, like if it was Georgetown that had the track record of success over the last several years that Villanova had, it would be vastly different different in terms of the popularity and stuff like. that. And you could you could talk about Georgetown in that conversation. I think maybe they're you know a, a tier or two below. But you're also but- talking about in the '90s bringing them up. You're not talking about now. No, I'm saying, right. If Georgetown, if it oh, was Georgetown I see. I see. right now yeah. instead of Villanova, who had won two national championships in a three-year span and you know had done all consistently in the tournament like Villanova, like if if you just basically right. flip-flopped the two, it was Georgetown instead of Villanova right now.
2: Then Georgetown would be
0: blue blood, is what you're saying. I'm just saying you that there would be a different level of popularity and everything else. See, you could you could you'd be arguing that because they obviously sunk you know way off the map after john thompson retired you know after alan iverson you know tried to kind of keep them there for it just yeah it's it's a different you just think about the program differently right now yeah yeah and the villanova i don't i don't think you're i don't think you're really grasping what i get to what you're saying
2: i'm just saying the way villanova is right now jay wright's been there for 21 years It'll be interesting to see where they go the next five years and mm-hmm. then post him. I see what you're saying. You're saying if you sweep the resumes with the different branding on the jersey. Exactly. I get you. Yeah.
0: Okay. I get you. All right. I didn't think you were I didn't think it was sinking in at first.
2: All right. So speaking of this, <laughs> <laughs> nothing ever really sinks in with me.
0: Speaking of this Carolina Duke matchup, Coach K says the Final Four game is not about the rivalry with North Carolina. Quote, I haven't looked at it as us. Against North Carolina, Shashevsky said in a press conference this week. I've looked at it as we're playing in the Final Four, so the history of the rivalry I have not paid attention to. End quote. What do you think about that? Fill in the
2: blank. That's coach speak. <laughs> uh, you have to say that. Right. I don't, because you don't want to give bulletin board material. I don't know if they have that in basketball. Do they have bulletin boards in well, basketball? I, can you imagine <laughs>
0: what. Like the talk radio and all that, you know, the media attention is like in that area with them being Ugh. so close to each other out there. Yeah, Chapel I mean, Hill, and, we're
2: 15, thirteen hours away, and we're talking about it. Yeah, I think you know, you get a guy like Coach K, and it's interesting. What, what is he supposed to say? Like, yeah, I'd rather beat Carolina than win the championship.
0: Well, yeah, I mean that's that, and then, that's obvious. Yeah, I mean right. it's it's not as much about it. There are, I guess, there are bigger picture things at play, but still. I know. They're bigger picture things at play and it's and your it's biggest that, rival yeah. that you're ever playing. The guy's been coaching for what? 42 year 43, you know, what 40 however many years 97 previous it, games between Duke and North Carolina. First one ever in the tournament and it's in the final four. See, that's, even if it wasn't a retirement thing,
2: that makes it an elevated game. Uh-huh. It means more now because of that. Right. And you know, you get to the you think I think of like the miracle game that hockey had, they beat the Russians. Yeah. That was awesome. That wasn't the gold medal. Right. You know, and it's what, a little
0: bit. It's a little bit like that, actually. So yeah, the that's gold great, medal that's game. A great, that's a great point, Bobby.
2: The gold medal game was almost an antidote to the whole story, mm-hmm. which actually, can you imagine if they had lost to Sweden in that championship game? Right. Same thing here. So, like, even if Duke does beat Carolina, it almost compounds the pressure to win the championship because, yeah, you beat Carolina that last game. If you don't win the championship, are they going to make a story about your season? You know, like, it almost ruins the whole vibe. Right. So that game, talking about Carolina and beating them, there's still more work. So I, I don't know. I just think I think he said the right things. But, yeah, I, I know that it's different between an Olympic hockey game and a college basketball game, but the vibe to me is very similar in the fact that you have to win this one to win the next one.
0: No, I completely agree. And it's, it's kind of like uh, Duke... And UNLV, you know, back in 1991, 90. yeah, when they played in the, in the Final Four, that was a semifinal. Duke still had to beat Kansas in the national championship game after that. So what year did Leitner hit that shot? Uh, I think that was 92. You're talking about against Kentucky. Yeah, I watched. I hate Christian Leitner again last night, by the way. I don't have to watch. I just feel it in my bones. (laughs) (laughs) That was a really good documentary, though. Let's take a timeout. When we come back, we'll wrap up rapid fire in Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Rapid fire and Budweiser's weekday sports beat winding down with Bobby Hensley, Sean Styers. Some Nirvana for you. Yeah, baby. It always upsets me you don't play enough Journey on here, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm not not a big Journey fan.
2: Well, I'm not
0: a big Nirvana fan. Which, uh, <laughs> like, if I if if I had, you know, what's the best intram- instrumental open to a song? Do you think they? they have that i should use
2: nirvana or journey mean journey i just use nirvana i mean i just use the best one from nirvana okay i think from journey it'd have to be separate ways like that there's a heavy guitar at the beginning and it yeah you could uh, you
0: get some of that okay maybe for next time you don't want you know like uh, like a only the young from Vision Quest, That's, remember that? Yeah, that was pretty good, but it's a little bit long. Like, you have to wait till it gets <laughs> yeah. big.
2: and Love's a good one. It's got a nice little guitar at the beginning. Of... Okay, wow. WrestleMania thirty-eight.
0: So, like, we're talking theme songs, aren't we? <laughs> Just like wrestling has. WrestleMania thirty-eight this weekend, two-day event. Which oh yeah, I find amazing. Will you be watching somewhere? Some of it. It's a bit much because both. Nice. Is this all pay-per-view?
2: No, now it's all on the Peacock Network. Oh really? So you okay. pay your your four ninety nine a month and you can get WrestleMania now, okay, which isn't bad. But uh, no, it's each night's four hours. I don't need eight hours of wrestling in a weekend. You know, I I have more to do in my life, so I'll I'll check in on some of the stuff that are like the fun matchups, right? But and, and I you know it's just fun with my buddies to text about because we've always done it. But no eight. 8 hours of wrestling in a weekend is just entirely too much. That is a lot. Do you know who Michael Cole is? Yeah, he's the announcer.
0: He used to work for CNN. Yeah, it's it's amazing. He was a war uh, I was war listening guy. I was listening to a podcast today and he was a guest. Yeah, he started off with like CNN CBS News embedded and he's been, war reporter. Yeah. yeah, and he's been double doing WWE for like 25 years. I've never heard the guy's name before today though. Yeah. It was a fairly interesting interview just to to hear him Kind of talk about how he worked his way in and, you know. He was a sideline reporter, if you yeah. want to call it that, backstage. they The backstage call that. guy, I think, yeah. yeah. And he, he set up The Rock for
2: a lot of what The Rock started.
0: He talked about that. Because The Rock
2: would be like, well, what, what is your name? And then it was like, it doesn't matter what your name is. And right. it was like a joke, and he'd always set him up. And that's how he kind of got in. Right. And he had blonde Frosted Tips back then. And a goatee, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he, so tips. he's been around for a while. And he's a legit guy, though. And okay. it's an amazing to meet some of these wrestlers and stuff because they're just so entertaining. It's like, I guess that's their job to be entertaining. Yeah. But I've met a few of them off, you know, we've had them on guests and they're all just so entertaining. And it's like, well, I guess that's
0: why you're good at what you do. Yeah, that's very true. That's for, that's what they are. They're entertainers, right? They're and that's very, kinda, he kind of talked about that as well with, with his role as a TV. Guy, when you when you're doing that, it's more about entertaining and the script and the show that that you're putting on, you know. So a
2: whole lot to unpack there too. But like, yeah, he's trying to put the guys over in the match while telling
0: storylines while put making it all entertaining. Yep, that's yep. right. And yep. he said that I think when Shawn Michaels retired, he thanked him for putting him over. something yeah. along those lines. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. All right. Final sports question for tonight. Yankees general manager Brian Cashman says. His team would have won the World Series in 2017 had it not been for, quote, illegal and horrific, end quote, actions by the Astros. Quote, I get offended when I start hearing we haven't been to the World Series since 09 end quote. Bobby, thoughts on that? Uh, you know, you're, you talked about wrestling. We have two uh, heels or villains here, <laughs> the Astros
2: and the Yankees, probably <laughs> the two right. most hated baseball franchises. That's so it's right. interesting to watch them go after each other because it's like, who's the good guy here? I uh, i just think it's complete crap you can't say that it's like if you bet on a game and they win it and 10 years later they have to forfeit it you still got your money if you won it and who's to say if you took the astros out that the yankees were going to be promised the spot and the astros were yes they might have had a little bit of an advantage you're saying the Yankees didn't cheat at all, or no other team ever cheated and just right. didn't get caught. And you, didn't, you
0: didn't steal signs in right. any way, shape, or form, wh- whether it was digitally or you know whatever else. And yeah. that's why
2: I don't think you see a lot of teams saying stuff out loud like, "Yes, we don't like the Astros." That's, that's exactly you. right. But, but then, plus that Astros team was pretty loaded; they right. were good. They would have been. That's why I think they were all cheating. I think they were good enough to make the <laughs> World Series anyway, though. I think that team was good. So to say that you
0: were promised a spot because a team
2: and had a trash can hitting, yeah.
0: Know. What I mean? What about the other ten seasons yeah. since then? What What were you doing then? You're still the Yankees. That was the only season, and that's what you're going to complain about. Give me a break. The, you know the Yankees. Like, what they've done is they've made the AL East one of the most prolific divisions in baseball.
2: Because I mean, even the Blue Jays now are loaded up, mm-hmm. and they might be the fourth team in that division. You have to. You have to load up. In it's that just division. incredible that that division has so much. And then there's the Orioles.
0: boy! But it's amazing that the Orioles were a playoff team in 2014. That's really not that. That was the first year the Royals went to the World Series. The Royals had to beat the Orioles in the playoffs to to get to the World Series. And they were a pretty good team that year. They were decent again. The next year, and it's like boom. You haven't heard anything from them since then. Well, that's hard to build when you know you're up against those other four other teams. Other than Trey Mancini, I guess. Right.
2: Yeah, but you know the the Orioles that they're just they've they've fallen from grace. I I would say. Yeah. I just
0: but I I just anytime one of these big market teams cries like yeah. this, it just give me a. Break. You're the Yankees, my team. You know, small market team. It, it took 29 years in between World Series, you know, and it's because they're small market. You've got it you're the Yankees. You have every benefit in the world. You should be in the World Series every 2 to 3 years basically. I don't I don't want to hear about the Astros stole they, signs. Just give me a break. And they weren't even making the playoffs for some of those years. Yeah.
2: And I read somewhere that I think in the last like 11 years, Major League Baseball has had more franchises in their playoff than any other sport has in their playoffs which is amazing considering that baseball has fewer spots in their playoff. Well, they're expanding now, but, you know, like basketball and half the league makes it. And the baseball still had more franchises in their playoffs
0: uniquely than wow. any other sport, and that's it should be the Yankees every time. Bobby, we got to wrap things up tonight. Good time, as always. Enjoy uh, WrestleMania and all the uh, basketball this weekend. I'll talk to you Monday. All right. Can't wait. All right.